Hello, everyone. Welcome to our listeners in the Big Apple from across the U.S. and around the world. I'm Jeff Goodman, and you've tuned into Rediscovering New York. Professionally, I'm a real estate broker with Brown Harris Stevens. Um, but as all of you know, I love this city and I love bringing this program to you. Rediscovering New York is a weekly show about the history, texture, and vibe of our amazing city. And we do it through interviews with historians, curators, local business owners, nonprofit organizations, preservationists, local musicians and artists, and the occasional elected official. On some shows, we focus on an individual New York neighborhood, exploring its history and its current energy. What makes that particular New York neighborhood special? We also have other shows like tonight's where we talk about an interesting and vital color of the city and its history that's not focused on one particular neighborhood. In prior episodes, you've heard topics as diverse as American presidents who came from New York, the history of women activists and the women's suffrage movement in the city. We've talked about the history of African-Americans in the city, going back to the time of the Dutch, actually. We've covered the history of the city's LGBT community and the gay rights movement. We've explored the histories of bicycles and even talked about the history of punk and opera. We have visited some of our greatest train stations and even some of our bridges. And yes, New York has fabulous bridges as well as great everything else. After the broadcast, each show is available on podcast. You can catch us on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other services. Tonight, we're doing one of those special shows. And as it is election time and people are passionate about... Uh, their views and about feelings and about issues affecting our country and also our world, I thought I would uh, devote this episode to exploring the history of New York as a place where people have been activists and where people protest. And boy, do we have a colorful and rich history that even extends to the present day in this amazing city. My first guest is a returning guest to Rediscovering New York, and I'm so glad she's a returning guest. I had such a great time when Sarah was on on the first show. I'm talking about Sarah Seidman. Sarah is the Puffin Foundation Curator of Social Activism at the Museum of the City of New York. She curates the ongoing exhibition, Activist New York, which, by the way, we're going to be talking about at length this evening. Uh, it explores nearly 400 years of activist history in the city. Sarah's also curated the exhibitions Beyond Suffrage, The Century of New York Women in Politics, and also co-curated Pride, Photographs of Stonewall and Beyond by Fred W. McDara and King in New York. Dr. Seidman holds a PhD in American Studies and a Master of Arts in Public Humanities from Brown and a BA in American Studies from Wesleyan University. She has received fellowships from the University of Rochester, NYU, and the American Council of Learned Societies, and her writing has appeared in the Journal of Transnational American Studies, Radical History Review, and the 60s, a journal of history, politics, and culture, among other places. Sarah, a hearty welcome back to Rediscovering New York. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. Um, are you originally from New York? I grew up in Boston, um, but before you, you know... Shut the program off. I come from a long line of, of New Yorkers um, and both, you know, myself and my brother actually fled back here as soon as we could. So um, I now live in the Lower East Side where, you know, my great grandparents moved, uh, emigrated over a century ago. So uh, I will claim I will claim the roots. <laughs> 
That's great. Well, you know, and the Lower East Side is, is filled with uh, uh, history. Actually, uh, on next week's show, we're going to be talking about immigrants in New York, but we're also going to have a segment on the Henry Street Settlement, which is in the Lower East Side. And a little history that we share, uh, my great cram several uh, of my great grandparents uh, lived on the Lower East Side when they when they first got off the boat, and others lived in Little Italy, which is just across the Bowery from the Lower East Side. Um, when did you decide that you would go into curating, which actually is a little bit different from what many historians do? When did you decide that curating was going to be something that uh, was your calling? I had always been interested in like visual art and and also social justice, really as a force propelling me into into history. So I think the opportunity to combine those um, through this position at the Museum of the City of New York and, and other projects that I was interested in, I guess, in grad school. But um, it wasn't so much like one decision, but a realization that that was a possibility. So I, I tell other folks considering, you know, just to be open to different possibilities and and see what happens. But I couldn't feel more, you know, lucky and grateful that this is where I ended up. So you have a PhD in history. When when did you actually, when does one decide that you want to go into curating? Is it, is it did you do it while you were getting going for your PhD? Did it happen afterward? Right. So I have a PhD in American studies and I did this degree as part of that PhD in public humanities, which is all about public history, but also museum studies. So I was definitely interested in it in grad school and the program I went to, um, that, that, that program was part of the reason I went. Um, but then it was really, you know, I, I applied, you know, for teaching jobs too, and just saw where the path led me. So, um, yeah, uh, keeping, keeping doors open, but, but it was always an interest of mine, I would say. When did you join the staff at the museum of the city of New York? Uh, 2014. That brings us to New York and to activism. But before I start asking about particular questions, and I'm really intrigued by this, do you want to talk a little bit about the exhibition Activist New York and the background for it? Sure. Um, so it, it actually predates me. The show opened um, in 2012 and uh, is really made possible by uh, the Puffin Foundation, which, um, you know, funded the uh, Puffin Foundation Gallery for Social Activism on the second floor of the museum. So um, we'll be, you know, exploring issues of activism in that gallery for years to come. And this was the inaugural show that has that was meant to be ongoing and has evolved over time. So it looks it's like an overview on activist histories in New York City from more or less the 1600s through today, covering a lot of ground, of course, not doing everything. And it's it takes the form of 14 different case studies, and those case studies change over time. I think about two-thirds have changed. We've changed since I started at the museum. Um, so that's yeah, that's the, the show covers, you know, themes of economic justice through like the labor movement and civil rights and gender and sexuality and religion and environmental activism um, and immigration. So um, those themes kind of remain the same. And, and we and we 
put a spotlight on different issues over time because there's so many stories, you know, that, that we could tell and having an ongoing and evolving gallery also allows us to tell stories about pretty much the present. So we just put in new pieces um, on in our final section on the movement for black lives, which we installed in 2017, but just added new materials there to reflect what's going on now. So it, it kind of, you know, it allows us to, to make, new additions all the time as, as these histories and stories change themselves. Well, that's great to have a permanent exhibition for something that's so important to the lifeblood of the city, but have it be a living, breathing thing where you, you know, you, you evolve it, you know, there's new stuff that you want to add. And then um, that is very relevant to, to the times. And we are going to talk about Black Lives Matter a little bit later, but I do want to do this a little bit chronologically. Um, how long has activism and how and protests been part of life in this place that we live in? I'd like to think more or less since the beginning, but I think it's taken different forms. Um, not always the the protests or demonstrations that that we see now and that we're used to now. I think those are more a function of maybe the not so much the 20th century, but like late 19th term into the 20th century, um, you know, like the first Labor Day um, kind of parade is 1882. And I know there's some early like anarchist demonstrations um, and, and right, we can talk more about those, but I think even earlier, there's definitely forms of, of activism. Um, one that we highlight at the beginning of the show is um, the Flushing Remonstrance, which was a petition by allies of Quakers who were asked to leave the colony because there were strict sort of religious parameters of who could physically be in the Dutch colony um, after they arrived. Of course, there were indigenous um, people living here before then, and there was resistance on on their part, um, for sure. Although we, um, you know, I'd I'd love to be able to to delve into more documentation about that, but we highlight highlight the Flushing Remonstrance, which is a very early like petition calling for their Quaker, you know, neighbors to be able to remain. Um, and that was and, in the 1650s, wasn't it? Yes. 1657, I believe. So, so that's like, a, and, and that's why we chose it. Cause I think it was one of the earliest like known petitions, of, you know, in it, in that kind of format. Um, and of course, right. There's things like the Boston, Tea Party in New York, there's definitely some transgressive behavior around the, you know, the war, the Revolutionary War. Although New Yorkers, um, I think in some ways more um, for the like pro-British uh, sentiment. So there's always been a lot of different sides um, in New York, for sure. And that's something that we explore in this show as well. So another early example that's come up in the past, not so much in the exhibit, but in the accompanying book also for the show by Stephen Jaffe. Um, they, we talk about the Zenger trial, which was an early moment around free speech. So I think through like legal means and, you know, interactions between citizens um, or residents and the state, you do see what we, I think, would term forms of activism, even if it, um, 
you know, aren't demonstrations. Those maybe start mm. a little bit later. Well, actually, there was something before the, the Flushing Remonstrance, which um, uh, and I don't remember if a petition was made to the Estates General in, in The Hague or to the Dutch West India Company. But a couple of years before that, there were um, uh, some Jews who were living in who, who arrived here sort of unexpectedly. Uh, and uh, Stuyvesant didn't want them. Peter Stuyvesant didn't want them. And they petitioned back home. And I don't remember if it was the Dutch West India Company or if it was the Estates General that told Stuyvesant, you know, you have to let them stay. And uh, so that actually predated about the the, uh, the remonstrance by a couple of years. Do we know if there was any uh, you mentioned uh, uh, the New York version of the Boston Tea Party. Do we know if there was any kind of activism or protests that would have been loyalist at the time of the revolution? Yes, I I think that there was, and I know there are folks you know who are working on that on that topic. Um, colleague at the museum for a few years, Brett Paul Freeman, I know, is working on that on that topic, and others. So I, I think the contingent in New York was you know somewhat loyalist. Um, I don't know if there were like I'm sure there are specific instances, um, but. I know more the general history that that there was that kind of pro-British sentiment here and that there mm-hmm. were kind of, you know, pretty um, stringent opposing sides. And then that happens again in the Civil War, um, for sure. Yeah, I would like to fast forward to the 19th century. Um, of course, some of the most visible and passionate protests in New York uh, were before and during the course of the Civil War. When did New Yorkers um, first become active in sort of protests in the abolitionist movement? And I also want to include Brooklyn because Brooklyn didn't become part of the city until the consolidation in, in 1898. But it was the third largest city in uh, the United States. And it was very much front and center in the anti in anti slavery activism before the before the Civil War. Right, I think you know there are acts of of resistance and protest absolutely before the war, and then it kind of crescendos with the coming of the war. So, in terms of um, New York's abolition uh, of slavery. The governor ends it in 1799, but it's a gradual emancipation um, that takes place over the next, I think, until 1827. So, um, and and you see even before then, I'll have to check the year of the object, but we have um, a book in the museum's collection that's an emancipation log of folks who are, um, I think, voluntarily uh, emancipating the you know humans that they have enslaved um, before then even so are probably into the um, 1800s. So you know I think those individual acts um, and you know resistance by enslaved folks themselves um, for sure I think has has always existed and did in New York as well. But I do think the lead up to the Civil War, like in other places, was you know things really heated up. Um, and, and New York in particular because of its economic investment in um, cotton and other industries in the South and because New York was a big port city in the 19th and shipping and finance and insurance and everything related to that trade. Exactly. So you had, you know, a big segment of the population who was, um, you know, did not want to disengage from slavery and was economically tied to it. And that definitely played out before and during the Civil War. 
All right. Well, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Sarah Seidman, the Puffin Foundation Curator of Social Activism at the Museum of the City of New York. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Listeners, looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock, every Thursday evening, the mind behind leadership here on talkradio.nyc, listen to real stories of real leaders. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. special episode at Rediscovering New York and talking about the history of activists and protests in New York. My first guest is the Puffin Foundation Curator of Social Activism at the Museum of the City of New York, Sarah Seidman, who's actually a returning guest to the show. Um, Sarah, before we talk more about protests, I wanted to ask you about a special series that the museum is hosting online. It's called Curators from the Couch. Do you want to tell us about that? Um, sure, I would love to. It's it's a chance, you know, one of our many kind of online programs as we've as we've pivoted to try to get um, you know so much of our rich content online to viewers and audiences right now. Um, even though the museum is open, um, its doors are open, and we invite you if you feel comfortable to come visit. Um, but curators from the couch is an opportunity for me, the curator, or other curators to be in conversation um, with um, scholars, activists, um, experts in their field. So I've done a few of them around um, activism, and we have another one coming up um, with historian Peniel Joseph around uh, voting rights, past and present, um, on October 20th, I believe. So yeah, it's, it's a nice, like, intimate um, way to delve, you know, briefly into a into a topic in a thirty minute session. And the website for the museum is 
Well, mcny.org is our main site. Um, and we also have a dedicated uh, online site for Activist New York, which is activistnewyork.mcny.org. And a lot of our exhibition content is also um, available there. And even pieces mm. that, that are no longer in the gallery anymore are, are up online. So, mm. um, so please visit. Uh, great. Um, let's talk about immigration activism um, or maybe anti-immigration activism. We'd like to think of New York as a really liberal town and we're always on the forefront of bettering the lives of people. But New Yorkers weren't always on the forefront of being pro-immigrant, were we? No, de- definitely not. <laughs> and what was some of the what was some of the activism involved in the earlier days when when people in New York didn't want immigration? Right. Well, you know, the the example that you gave with Peter Stuyvesant really at the beginning um, is the jumping off point for the show with deciding like, you know, who can physically be here um, or not um, from the Dutch colony and how that applied to both indigenous New Yorkers and who else could emigrate, right? Jews, um, Lutherans, uh, yeah, folks coming from Brazil, um, Quakers. So there's definitely that element right from the beginning. And then with every kind of subsequent wave, I think there's a, there's a question about it. So that definitely like ramps up in the 19th century as the numbers of immigrants coming to New York skyrocket. Um, And, and so we see in like the 1830s really um, through sixties, as there's a huge wave of immigrants, there's also a very pronounced wave of anti-immigrant um, sentiment. So Samuel F.B. Morse, for example, who we might just think of as Morse code, um, you know, was like a New York politician who opposed, you know, new immigrants really and, and citizenship for new immigrants. There was a whole movement to deny people the right to vote um, for 21 years after they they'd lived here, and and in the show we have a replica, not the original, of a flag that says um, the, they use the they use the term Native Americans as the kind of Anglo immigrants themselves who had immigrated, you know, a few generations before the the current wave of immigrants. So it's interesting how they take on that mantle. God, how history repeats itself, not to delve too much into the present government and some of the anti-immigrant uh, uh, activities. Um, one thing I wanted to, to ask you about was about prohibition. When we think of activism in New York, people generally don't think of, of booze and drinking. Um, New York, of course, is famous for the Roaring Twenties and the ever-famous establishment known as the Speakeasy. It had to have been a New York invention, I think. If not, it ought to have been. Um, but before we talk about uh, activism against prohibition, were New Yorkers involved in pro-prohibition activism at one point? Yes, yes, they were. And a lot of the, um, we have like a particularly interesting set of objects in our collection from the, um, the Women's Organization for National Prohibition Reform, which was eventually like a one million strong group that was really instrumental in dismantling prohibition, but a lot of them had supported and advocated for prohibition beforehand. So I think they saw the um, what happened after the amendment and how it sort of enabled underage drinking and a lot of deregulation. And then they realized that this wasn't necessarily the way they 
you know, wanted things, wanted to go about things. And so, um, but I don't think there was, there were temperance organizations had, um, in New York City. I think the national temperance group was not based in New York um, for the most part. Um, and this this women's organization was headquartered in New York City a little bit later. Um, but yes, we definitely saw temperance temperance groups and activists in the city. So once again, right, like the, the abolitionists and the, um, you know, pro-Civil War, pro-slavery sentiments. Um, I meant to talk a little bit more about particular abolitionists before because we always saw folks like the Lyons family, which is going to have a statue up in Central Park, um, right, or the, you know, with anti-immigrant sentiment, we see folks protest, you know, fighting um, for their communities to have more uh, resources and the right to be here. So once again, I think with prohibition, we see multiple, multiple sides, not even two sides, but multiple sides of an issue. Mm. Well, a very important part of the exhibition and part of the city's history is economic activism and wanting to help pe- make people's lives better. Um, do you want to talk about that and the place that that has in, in, in activist New York? Sure. And we had um, a dedicated show, uh, City of Labor, um, City of Workers, on display um, last year that, that delved you know, deeper into this huge, huge topic. Um, but right. So the first the first like Labor Day parade is in New York. And because of New York's role as a port city and center of commerce, center of printing, printing presses and public print culture um, and and books. Um, there are a lot of kind of ways that that it was a working person's city and and that that really came to the fore in like the late 19th century and early 20th centuries in various ways. So in Activist New York, we focus on garment workers and mostly young immigrant women who are working in the garment industry in the early 20th century. Um, Folks like Clara Lemlich, who's barely five feet tall, young, you know, Eastern European immigrant who's advocating for garment workers to strike. Um, and, you know, folks, especially after the Triangle Waste Factory fire uh, in 1911. So seeing once again how tragedy or violence then leads to a whole, um, you know, response and opportunity for folks who've been working on these issues for years to to um, maybe an opening to to push for change. Well, one thing that I found really interesting in the exhibition is that there's a section that covers activism to revitalize the South Bronx, which uh, I remember when I was a teenager uh, during the 1977 World Series, uh, uh, Howard Cosell never said the Bronx is burning. That was sort of a you know, like a, a, an urban legend. But there were pictures of, of, of buildings that were being that were on fire. Um, do you want to talk about uh, uh, that part of the exhibition for a minute? Sure. So that was one of the original sections that lives on on our website. Um, and I invite you all to to check it out there. The the section in the gallery is now on the Young Lords, which also has a piece for sure on the South Bronx because they were very active there. But, but I think that the South Bronx section really focused on um, on housing above all and and right the destruction of housing um, and how um, community activists who didn't leave the Bronx along with other folks, including like members of my own family, um, how they, you know, rebuilt it and got community grants and, um, you know, 
utilized, you know, use their, their own, their own hands. Um, and as well as community organizing and groups to, to rebuild and to create different resources, um, for diverse communities in the Bronx. So yeah, it touches on housing, um, as well as other pieces. And then with something like the Young Lords, because we wanted to make sure there was still a piece that really focused on the Bronx. Um, and there's there's other pieces about the Bronx in the show, um, but uh, the Young Lords were really active around um, protesting Lincoln Hospital in the Bronx and demanding better medical services uh, for nearby residents, as well as, um, you know, like, Childcare for for staff who worked at the hospital, and they did a one day takeover um, of the hospital, as well as demanding better resources um, for drug addiction, using acupuncture, so all kinds of things that then actually have um, had a really interesting legacy since since then. So health activism um, is one way that we've kind of continued to focus on that period of, of Bronx history in the in the sixties and seventies and beyond. Well, one thing I want to also focus on in, on, on our show is uh, activism for gender equality. Now, we could talk so much about it. We actually talked a lot about the suffrage movement in uh, the episode that you run in March. And I would uh, encourage people to, to look at that. I think that was from March 10th. But one particular area I want to ask you about is activism in New York in the movement for reproductive freedom. But how, how have New Yorkers been at the forefront of uh, of 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 that. So we actually have a section of the show on the, it's like the 1830s um, and, and beyond that looks at fights over um, reproductive resources or rights and how abortion laws in New York have kind of zigzagged back and back and forth over time. And then you see folks um, like Margaret Sanger, who write definitely part and parcel with the eugenics uh, movement, but um, Sanger and other folks who do um, then challenge the laws in New York to establish um, abortion clinics. Um, But that's kind of been a a swing pendulum. And then you see um, those rights then eroded and and a fight uh, a few years before Roe v. Wade um, in New York state to secure um, reproductive rights. So I think like 1970 or 71, I believe. Um, so it's definitely been a very long standing, um, fight. And then, you know, we've, we've highlighted individuals just like historically, like Madame Restelle, who was a, uh, an abortion provider, um, medically and lived in like a, you know, uh, illicitly, but also lived in like a lavish mansion on Fifth Avenue until she, her case, you know, she was apprehended and um, she then committed suicide. So there's definitely like storied figures who've transgressed um, laws in New York, as well as folks who have sought to dismantle the laws. And then, you know, we, we, we pick it up again in the section of the show, on um, the women's liberation movement. So for sure, there's there's definitely a lot of history there. Mm. We could spend so much time also talking about LGBTQ activism. We've actually talked about that on some prior shows, including the three episodes last year, which I did around Stonewall 50. But I want to ask you specifically um, about trans activism, which we really haven't talked about. Um, what has, has trans activism been like in New York? 
So I'm, I'm thrilled that we have a section of Activist New York dedicated um, to trans activism. And it's, you know, been really, I think, illuminating to see the the kind of through lines from Stonewall. We could have gone back further, but we use Stonewall as a jumping off point since there were um, a lot of uh, trans folks at the Stonewall uprising um, in 1969 and um, as well as people of color and um, really young activists. And it's out of Stonewall and then the ensuing organizations um, like the Gay Liberation Front and the Gay Activists Alliance were then trans activists like Sylvia Rivera who are part of those organizations uh, feel and are sidelined, marginalized, booed off the stage at, at pride marches and then form their own organizations. So Rivera forms a star with Marcia P. Johnson. Um, and uh, there are other trans folks at Stonewall who you know, are less known than uh, Johnson and Rivera have become. Um, and but their testament to New York, uh, the park in Williamsburg was just named for uh, for Marsha, which is wonderful. Marsha P. Johnson's park. Right. So and it has been really exciting to see, you know, them become more familiar names um, to folks. So so they started this organization star um, for for really like homeless trans youth of color. Um, and it was a pioneering group. Um, nothing, you know, existed like it formed a, a shelter, a short-lived shelter, um, but did all kinds of other things. And then were part of the broader group to dismantle um, or to push for city laws to protect people based on their sexual orientation, which um, a clause around trans um, New Yorkers didn't get added until 2002. So it's definitely been a long, a long fight that's been part of the LGBTQ movement, but also marginalized within it. And those are the stories that we tell um, in that in that section of the show, as well as, of course, the more recent, um, you know, uh, visibility of that activism, as well as the continuing violence against um, trans New Yorkers and other trans folks mm. nationwide. Sarah, we're almost out of time in this segment, but one thing I do want us to 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 talk about is Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter uh, came into being um, after Activist New York. Um, do you want to talk a bit about the place of BLM in, in Activist New York? Absolutely. So we we added that as our final section. Previously, we had a section about the debate over the Islamic Cultural Center near um, Ground Zero as the final section of the show. And that went up, you know, uh, when it was happening and the show was being planned in 2010, 2011. And uh, we felt like um, we needed and wanted to add um, change that new section, that section, as we have changed many sections of the show. Um, to reflect the movement for Black Lives. So we put that in in, in June 2017 and really um, focused on kind of set it off with Occupy and then and then went from there. And now, now that from the vantage point of 2020, we've updated the section to really look at the kind of, you know, ongoing arc from 2012 um, and the response to Trayvon Martin's murder um, and the acquittal of George Zimmerman to to today and, and New York City's role in that. 
Well, Sarah, I wish we had more time. This is such an important um, topic, and the exhibition's really great. I've actually seen it, or, or uh, the iteration of, of, of when I saw it at the museum. Um, our first guest on this program on Rediscovering New York about activism and protests in New York has been Sarah Seidman. Sarah is the Puffin Foundation Curator of Social Activism at the Museum of the City of Newark, and you can read about the museum's exhibitions at mcny.org. Uh, org and also Activist New York. I think I got that right, didn't I? Yes, and thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Well, uh, we're going to take a short break, and when we do, we're going to come back, and we're going to be speaking with another curator of the Museum of the City of New York. Photographs and prints are a very important part of this, as well as other exhibitions. Uh, we will be back in a moment to speak with Sean Corcoran of the museum. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show A Journey Through into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m. So tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. curious person always asking questions do you desire to be in the know then join me antonia host of so now you know thursdays at 5 p.m at talkradio.nyc listen in as i attempt to satisfy that curiosity i will be talking with amazing everyday people join the fun so now you know on thursdays at 5 p.m at talkradio.nyc you're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. back to Rediscovering New York. Support from the program comes from our sponsors, the Mark Myman team, mortgage strategist at Freedom Mortgage. For assistance in any kind of residential mortgage, Mark and his team can be reached at 646-330-4735. And support also comes from the law offices of Thomas Siaka, focusing on wills, estate planning, probate, and inheritance litigation. Tom and his staff can be reached at 212-495-0317. You can like the show on Facebook, and you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter. My handle's there, or Jeff Goodman NYC. If you have comments or questions about the show, you can email me 
at Jeff Goodman. I'm sorry, Jeff at rediscoveringnewyork.nyc. You can also get on our mailing list. One other note before we get to our second guest, even though Rediscovering New York is not a show about real estate, when I'm not on the air, I'm indeed a real estate agent in our amazing city where I help my clients buy, sell, lease, and rent property. If you or someone you care about is considering a move into, out of, or within New York, I would love to help you with all those real estate needs. You can reach me and my team at 646-306-4761. Our second guest is Sean Cochran. Since 2006, Sean has been the curator of prints and photographs at the Museum of the City of New York. He previously served as assistant curator of photography at the George Eastman Museum, that's in Rochester. Over the years, he has organized a wide range of exhibitions, including City as Canvas, graffiti art from the Martin Wong Collection, sightseeing, photographic excursions and tourism, and the upcoming exhibition, The City Scene, Todd Webb's Postwar New York, 1945 to 1960. Sean has written extensively on photography, including essays for Elliot Erwitt, At Home and Around the World, Alexei Titorenko, The City is a Novel, and The World Atlas of Street Photography. That, by the way, is published by Thames and Hudson. Sean Corcoran, a very hearty welcome to Rediscovering New York. Hello, thanks for having me. Are you originally from New York? No, I'm from uh, upstate. And when I say upstate, I mean the real upstate, like the Finger Lakes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's really upstate. So there's people refer to Suffern as upstate New York. It's like, that's not upstate New right. York. <laughs> not to be confused with Western New York, where uh, you did work, which I want to talk to you about in a minute. Um, tell us about your professional journey that led you to curating photographs. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, uh, as, I guess as a younger person, I was always interested in history. And um, I knew that that was the that was the subject for me. Um, um, as a younger person, I didn't really feel like I had the confidence to teach uh, in a classroom. Uh, this is, you know, the the college year self. Um, and so I just I, and, and I'm a born collector, I've been collecting ever since I, I could remember. So the idea of working in a museum with things was always appealing. Um, and uh, I guess it was an undergraduate where I had my first real museum experience and thought, I think that's the direction for me. I wanted to ask you when you worked at the Eastman Museum, but I also would like to ask you for our listeners who may not know who George Eastman was, yeah, sure. uh, it's a good time to uh, say who he was and, 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 and what he's done for our culture. Yeah, sure. Um, well, so George Eastman was the... Um, well, I don't. He was he was um, a manu, he was a major manufacturer um, of photographic materials. Um, you know, most people know of Kodak, although less and less these days, I suppose. But um, he was the founder of Kodak, and Kodak uh, in the in the late eighteen hundreds was particularly important because. Um, they revolutionized the dry plate glass negative, but m more importantly, they, they, he, he was really responsible for the advent of the flexible film negative, which is, you know, like what was, what was most popular in, in, for, from 1900 until about 1995. Um, so he was responsible for the delivery mechanism in which most common people, um, made pictures. I still have some uh, uh, Kodachrome and Ektachrome in my refrigerator, yeah. <laughs> and I still have an analog camera. I'm going to have to use them at some point. Um, when did you join the staff at the Museum of the City of New York? In 2006. So I was I was uh, I worked at the Eastman Museum, which was 
a museum at George Eastman's home, which was dedicated to um, photography and, and motion picture. Uh, I should say that um, George Eastman was also r instrumental in the in the kind of taking off of the motion picture industry because he also manufactured a lot of film stock. But so I worked there from about 1998 to 2006, and then I went. I came to the Museum of the City of New York directly from there in 2006, and I've been there for the last 13ish years. Mm -hmm. Actually, I would have been, I've, I've been to the Eastman Museum and I was there, I think, in 2003. So you would have been on staff there at the time. Um, had I known, I would have come and said hello. It is, it, it is, it is quite a place. <laughs> um, let's yeah. talk about uh, the current exhibitions at the museum that you're involved with. Um, mm -hmm. The City Within, Brooklyn Photographs by Alex Webb and Rebecca Norris, which, by the way, I saw in March. It was uh, on a trip to the museum right before uh, the museum shut down and we were dealing with all the restrictions uh, in COVID. Do you want to talk about that about that exhibition? Yeah, sure. The the Alex uh, Webb and Rebecca Norris Webb are a husband and wife a combo who um, both had independent careers working, you know, in 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 photography for many years. Alex is uh, known as a kind of a world traveler, um, photographing uh, under the auspices of Magnum, um, you know, photographing in the Caribbean and India, and um, doing a lot of work for Geo and and uh, National National Geographic. And Rebecca was a poet and photographer, um, and she's photographed usually things much more personal to her, um, her family, her family where she home where she grew up in, um, in North Dakota. Um, but they've both, but they've been married and both lived in in Brooklyn for more than twenty five years now, and um, but they've they've never really photographed around the borough they call home. And this project um, is kind of their um, their ode to the city they've lived in so long because they are planning to um, eventually move up to um, Wellfleet, where um, Alex uh, Alex's into Alex's family's home. So um, this is kind of the way of of both Rebecca and Alex exploring um, photographically where they've lived and felt so comfortable for so long. One of the things I like about some of the photographs is is what you don't usually expect from photographs at a museum exhibition is some of them are really large and incredibly colorful, especially the ones in the park. I really I really enjoyed them. Yeah. Um, did you help to identify images for activists in New York, Sean? Um, I work I work regularly with with all the curators actually on their on their exhibition projects. So. Um, be it uh, the bat, uh, uh, we did it recently. Did a show on um, basketball in New York City or uh, the activist show. Yeah, I, I kind of act as like a consultant for the photographer for the curators and and make suggestions. Um, and that 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 happens as kind of a ongoing and rolling kind of basis. If if they're looking for something, I will make suggestions. Or sometimes I just know what their subject they're working on, and and I just volunteer up uh, <laughs> um, suggestions. Wow, what a great partner to have as a curator to uh, you know come and say you really ought to. The, I really think these are relevant. I really love these. Uh, uh, why don't you think about including them in uh, in the exhibition you're curating? Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Um, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with the Museum of the City of New York's Curator of Prints and Photographs, Sean Corcoran. We'll be back in a moment. Thanks. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Yeah. 
Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. to Rediscovering New York and our special episode about a great exhibition at the Museum of the City of New York, Activist New York. And we're also talking to the museum's curator of prints and photographs about some other exhibitions he's working on. That's Sean Corcoran. Um, Sean, I want to ask you about two other exhibitions, but first I have a couple of other questions. Um, There must be thousands, if not tens of thousands of photographs and other visually representative items in the museum's collection um, that could be used to curate the exhibitions that that you work on. How do you decide what images to to use in the exhibition? Is there any secret sauce to saying of, of things you look at, or or do you just look at them and say that's it? That's the one I want to have. Well, it depends on the subject of the exhibition. Um, in some cases, it's uh, uh, completely subject driven, and and so mm-hmm. you kind of dig into the archive and, and look, say, say it's uh, an exhibition on um, street, street life. That's like a, a very big subject. So then you have a lot of leeway and, um, and that's where you get a lot more um, choice. And whereas if it's a show on something like basketball, you know, you're looking for a very content driven material. So um, in, in some, in many cases, the, the content, um, drives, you know, selection. Um, in other cases, um, if it's just about kind of like more conceptual ideas of life in the city and and the way we live in the city, then it's, then it becomes more about, um, um, maybe the aesthetics of the picture and, and, you know, composition and, and, and more artistically driven kind of factors. Um, 
in, in at the museum we do we do a couple different kind we do historical shows that are about a subject and then we sometimes do more art related shows and you know you have to kind of adjust your approach depending on on the subject for instance um alex and becky's exhibition uh the, the web exhibition um that is about a subject of brooklyn but um but the pictures are very much uh chosen and relate to each other in, a, in an aesthetic way um and what we were trying to do was was um for instance include a number of different um, neighborhoods while at the same time um, pairing off pictures that, that, that speak to each other. In in some cases, Becky's pictures of the parks would be across the hall from across, across the room from, from Alex's pictures. And we wanted them to be in dialogue with each other. So it's not even always about the one picture. It's about the one picture, how the one picture relates to the other objects in the exhibition. Well, there's a very important and moving project that you're working on right now, and that's COVID Stories NYC and how photographers are bearing witness to and capturing history as it's being made, which is happening right here and right now. Do you want to talk a little bit about about COVID Stories? Yeah, um, you know, I suspect everybody that's listening at this moment has um, had (laughs) some very visceral experiences. um, experiences over the last seven months uh, with the pandemic and everything that's happened. And I'm sure in their mind's eye, they have um, these pictures of of the trying moments that they've lived through and the beautiful moments and the, and the moments of connected and togetherness as well. And um, a lot of people um, are making pictures now, maybe not pictures with that old uh, uh, analog camera, but with their phone. Um, and and because that is where we are in the world today, and what we are trying to do is um, gather up, as, you know, a, a, a good number of those pictures that will tell the story of um, these these last several months that we've been living through in, in all their complexities. Well, one exhibition that I've also seen and that really very much tells the story of New York is Collecting New York Stories, Stuyvesant to Sid Vicious, <laughs> which uh, and there is a picture of a photograph of Sid Vicious. Um, uh, how long has this exhibition been up for? Well, that that exhibition went up in uh, I think it was January. And of course, um, we closed down in March. So it was up for about two months. And um, now that we're reopened, um, it's going to be up, you know, it, it's been in the basically in the dark for several months. So now we can open back up and extend it uh, much longer than it would have been. But that exhibition was really fun for me to put together because that is basically um, selections of material that I've brought into the collection over the last four years. So that is that provides actually a really good peek into what we're interested in collecting these days. So that's almost like your own palette in the museum is the, is this exhibition. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't get to completely choose. There are checks and balances within the museum, but um but you know, I with uh in combination with administration and trustees have kind of devised a a, a strategy for the types of material we feel is very important to bring in the collection and in the last 5 years we've really concentrated on um, street life, life in the public domain, um, and, and be it the common man or and to some extent celebrity like Sid Vicious or, or um, 
We want to see the ways in which people live in the city. And that's what this exhibition is really keying on. Fun. do you ever go outside of the museum uh, to curate photographs for, for exhibitions at the museum? Um, not, I mean, not really. Occasionally we do, um, we do collaborative efforts. Um, but, but I am a, you know, full-time employee of the Museum of the City of New York. So that's where I do most of my work. I do every once in a while, maybe jury um, for another not-for-profit or um, on occasion I'll, I'll write an essay or two, but that's pretty much about it. Mm. Well, in the minute or so that we have left, I want to ask you a sort of personal question. Sure. Um, what are some of your personal favorites, uh, <laughs> photographs that are up there right now? Um, in the exhibition or? Yes, yes in the exhibitions in the exhibition? that are up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I do like, I, I mean, I like that picture. So you, you mentioned this, there is a picture of Sid Vicious. I do like that picture because um, he is such a notorious figure and I'm a huge music fan. But at the same time, that picture is a historical moment that that is a picture of Sid Vicious being um, or being taken out of the Chelsea hotel um, at, at, you know, after the death of his girlfriend, Nancy Spungen. So it's a very um, important moment in New York city. And then right next to it is uh, uh, that photograph is by Alan Tannenbaum. And right next to it is another picture of John Lennon and Yoko Ono, standing in front of the Dakota, um, which a very different kind of rock and roll star. Um, but again, another New York story and the, seeing the two of them together, you know, made about the same time. It says so much about, you know, um, music and culture in the city at right, right in within three feet. Mm. Well, Sean, thank you so much for being on the show. You know, I don't uh, I get to, sp to speak to curators from time to time on the show, but I don't think I've ever spoken to a curator of photographs. And uh, I love photography, although I don't take much of it anymore. And uh, the images uh, and the exhibitions I've seen in the museum are really, really moving. Thank you for uh, sharing your work uh, on the program and uh, ongoing success to all your work, especially with COVID stories. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, everyone, we've just finished this week's exploration trip back to the Museum of the City of New York. We've explored their Activist New York exhibition, as well as spoken with the curator of prints and photographs. Uh, if you have comments or questions about the show, or if you'd like to get on our mailing list, please email me, jeff at rediscoveringnewyork.nyc. You can like us on Facebook, and you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter. My handles there are jeffgoodmannyc. Once again, I'd like to thank our sponsors, the Mark Myman team, Mortgage Strategies at Freedom Mortgage, and the law offices of Tom Siaka, specializing in, I'm sorry, focusing on wills, estate planning, probate, and inheritance litigation. One more thing before we sign off. I'm Jeff Goodman, a real estate agent at Brown Harris Stevens in New York. And whether you're selling, buying, leasing, or renting, my team and I provide the best service and expertise in New York City real estate. To help you with your real estate needs, you can reach us at 646-306-4761. Our producer is Ralph Storier. Our engineer is the great Sam Leibowitz. Our special consultant is David Griffin of Landmark Branding. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Broadcasting 24 hours a day.
Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the mind behind leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So that's seven o'clock every Thursday evening. The mind behind leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a curious person always asking questions? Do you desire to be in the know? Then join me, Antonia, host of So Now You Know, Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. Listen in as I attempt to satisfy that curiosity. I will be talking with amazing everyday people. Join the fun. So Now You Know on Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. you listeners looking to boost your business why not advertise on talk radio nyc with very reasonable rates interested simply send us a message on our website talkradio.nyc are you a small business trying to navigate the covid19 related employment laws hello i'm eric sauver employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show employment law today On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 